I know many smart people who are so obnoxious and unbearable. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. We're not like that at all. No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) We are charming. (laughs) Charming and witty. (laughs) Always. Okay, okay. Okay. (laughs) We're not the hiccups. (laughs) Sucker! (laughs) (laughs) Well, now we can't fucking do anything else. Good job. can't do it without laughing. <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> Bit of a mute. Yeah, yeah, hold on. <laughs> ah. Alright, I think I'm good. Okay. Hi, I'm Baylin. And I'm Dana. And this is Philosophy in the Bedroom. There's something to be said about, like, Long-term relationships, maybe a tiny bit about monogamy, more just about, like, flirtations, like, innocuous flirtations. Yeah. And, like, the difficulty of getting inside the head of the person that you're with. Because this is something also that I really liked uh, Gone Girl for, is that it was really a meditation on, like, subject positions and, like, subjectivity and how you can't really know Still, I still haven't read the book. I read the beginning of it. You haven't read Gone Girl? I haven't read Gone Girl. No, I watched the movie and I really enjoyed it. I haven't read the book. You're like the person who's all about like, not enough books and movies (laughs) start after the marriage and blah, blah, blah. And like, you haven't even read Gone Girl? Jesus Christ, you would fucking love that book. Oh, my mom watched Gone Girl like two weeks ago. I made her watch it. And she, she didn't think it was anything at all. She was like, yeah, you know, that happens. And I, I was like warning her, I'm like, the ending's very dramatic, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, pretty intense. And she was just like, no, nah, no, nah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think that's what married people feel like. Like, <laughs> a casual flirtation to, like, a teenager who has a boyfriend is, like, earth-shattering. You know, like, oh my god, to find out that the person that you love is interested in another person you know and I feel like the longer that you're with someone the like I don't want to say that your expectations get lowered but like your threshold for like yeah I well I mean that that are not balances but like flirtations yeah like it's unrealistic to think that just because someone's married to you you know or just because you're married to someone you're not going to find anyone else in the world attractive Right. That that's just that's just dumb. That's like Stockholm syndrome. Right. Also, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> right. It's not. It doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's more like if if I'm married to this person and I trust them, then I trust that they would rather be with me than with someone prettier. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Right. That's basically the that's the mantra that we've all been telling ourselves for years. <laughs> yeah. The best relationship advice that I can give after 28 years in the business is just date someone who's fucking insufferable. <laughs> no one else will want them. Exactly. No, that's not true. No, I'm no. Just... Oh, man. Date someone mm. who's ugly. <laughs> no, God. 
This I do not say from personal experience, or at least not current. Uh, uh, okay, all right. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Okay, I know what you're thinking. You so know, what? it is so true. <laughs> Everyone I've dated was attractive when I started dating. <laughs> um. um. <laughs> when I started. That's subjective, but okay, I, I will grant you that because of the long friendship we've shared. <laughs> wow, thanks. I feel real good about that. <laughs> I mean, you, oh, come on, you could totally frame it another way. You could say that you are such a deep person that looks didn't matter to you, and it's subjective anyways, and you at least felt that the love you had, blah, 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 they were... <laughs> Not increasingly <laughs> stupid and ridiculous. Yes, um, yes. What I will say, which is my favorite insult to tell people when I think that they're that they like something stupid, is there's no accounting for taste. Because <laughs> it's so dismissive and just cruel, and it's uh, basically saying like, I don't fucking agree with you, but I'm not even gonna take the time to argue. Oh yeah, it's like that line from Mad Men when um that guy was telling Don Draper like I feel sorry for you, and he goes I don't think about you at all. Exactly. <laughs> you just you can't even be bothered enough it, to like. It's all right. It's straight. all right. Who among us have not been intrigued by someone not worthy of our greatness? Well, okay, not to be too egocentric. Who <laughs> among us has not, because I think we're not that great, but mm. but who among us has not been attracted to someone that we couldn't explain why we were attracted <laughs> to? Like, I know it defies all reason, but like... But I mom, I love him! <laughs> but I just love him and I can't leave. That's basically... There was a Reddit thread that was like, what has your parents said to you when you were young that you now realize is true? And the top comment was, when I was 17, and my dad was saying, it feels like you're heartbroken now, but someday, years later, this is all going to be hilarious. And I just looked at him, tears welling my eyes, and said, you just don't understand... <laughs> and then he burst out laughing. <laughs> yeah, my oh. parents said that to me a couple times. <laughs> parents give good advice when it comes to that sort of thing. But, I uh, yeah, I it's well, not well received at the time. Right, right. And I, I'm not sure all parents give good advice when it comes to that sort of thing. Well, I mean, when they say "Don't worry about it," you won't care in like a couple of years. It's usually mm. true. Right. What is that line? This is my favorite. This is the best line. Okay, if you're going through a breakup, this is the best line that you could ever hear from anyone. It's written by Emerson. Let me search through my bookmarks real quick and see if I have it. So it says, I cannot get it nearer to me. If tomorrow I should be informed of the bankruptcy of my principal debtors, the loss of my property would be a great inconvenience to me, perhaps for many years. But it would leave me as it found me, neither better nor worse. So is it with c this calamity. It does not touch me. Something which I fancied was a part of me, which could not be torn away without tearing me, nor enlarged without enriching me, falls off from me and leaves no scar. It's like amazing. Like, and it's mm. written about his son who died. That you could feel that way about like something that was a part of you, someone that was a part of you, that it, it just falls off and leaves no scar. I mean, like, I think that that speaks to, like, our resilience as humans. 
And I, that's actually how I felt in a lot of, like, ended relationships. Is like, someone that I thought, like, I could never live without. I can kind of actually be okay once they're gone, you know? Hmm. Such a good quote. Hmm. Oh, I looked this up the other day. Um, so, heartbreak manifests itself physically. Yeah, I've read that yeah. before. Not like there's actually like physical pain. Um, if it goes on for too long, there's like stress and the muscles of your heart actually get weaker. And there's an evolutionary, no, it's theorized there's an evolutionary advantage to it, which is that um, connections and relationships are, are healthy and advantageous to us as individuals. So that if you really had you could argue something real, like a real connection with someone and that physical pain you feel is your, I guess, body and your evolutionary drives actually trying to um, trying to, I guess, also persuade you not to not to break it apart. It's hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't know. I find it validating that it actually is a physical pain. It's not just, you know, all in your mind. It's not something that you can just think of, tell yourself to get over it and you could get over it. You know, that your body actually needs to heal. Like you yourself actually need time to heal. Well, and from the standpoint of a serial monogamist, right, <laughs> to, <laughs> to justify... Uh, having a string of long-term relationships by saying that, you know, essentially this is just biology and <laughs> my, my body won't let me leave is also validating. <laughs> I, that sounds very sarcastic, but like, I actually do, I, it doesn't surprise me that mm -hmm. that is the case because I do think that people have a very hard time, not just like breaking something off, but also avoiding that person for the rest of their lives. I mean, how many people backslide and get back together? It happens in almost every relationship where you break up at least once. Before, before the big one. Before it's officially over. Like Frank and Claire Underwood from House of Cards. Yeah, that show is interesting in that it blatantly antagonizes its viewers and, and still manages to make... Yeah. It's People one of it. the most popular shows in China. That makes no sense. <laughs> I feel like there's so much like cultural shit going on. There that is. If I were not from a, the U.S., I probably would not have a good foundation of like a yeah. lot of the intrigue and the right, right, and even the cultural thing. You know, the fact that he's from the south and the way he's viewed in that exactly. way, and you know all that. I think most people in China don't quite get all the nuances, um, but I think it's really popular because. There is no way a show like that can be made in China. You know, that about it. that portray people in power in a critical light. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Us as Americans, we're like, Frank Underwood, it's, it's a political, like, intrigue show. It's a power show. But he had, in the show, he has the title of president, and yet he's portrayed in, in negative ways as doing negative things or sometimes even, like, ridiculous things. And there's no way you can imply anything of that nature about um, government officials in China on a national TV show. You could do it like privately in your home. You could or even like 
in the Hong Kong film industry. <laughs> right, in the Hong Kong film industry. Even in the Hong Kong film industry, they rely on like big metaphors. Yeah. You know, like the Curse of the Golden Flower it has to be set in some like past dynasty. And the, the fact that House of Cards is supposed to be set like in the present day, like it's supposed to be 2016 in the show too. Yeah, that's just, that's just inconceivable. Especially since anything, if you want to make something that, that big a production in China, you have to have the government's backing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I'm not a filmmaker in China. <laughs> yes. I feel like most people would be glad of that. I mean, this is why, and not to compare China's government to the North Korean dictatorship, but like this is why South Korea had a legitimate film renaissance is because they could make movies that were you know expressing for a long time they had censorship even under the the current sort of like government system yeah but in the i think it was the 80s or early 90s finally they lifted a lot of the controls and this is why korean film is internationally renowned now you know yeah last year or was it two years ago there was a, a chinese government official who he sounded so angry about how great a movie Kung Fu Panda is. Because, like, Kung Fu Panda, it's a really good movie. Like, you have a, a panda doing Kung Fu, which is hilarious, but it's also so respectful of the Kung Fu tradition in China and the history and just, like, the whole the whole culture. And it's funny and heartwarming. It's like, it's, it's, it's a good movie. And he was like, how come that movie was made in America. How come that movie was not made in China? Like, what is wrong with us that we couldn't have a cute panda doing Kung Fu? Like, how do we not think of this? And the funny thing is, he was in charge of the government bureaucracy of censorship, you know? Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. I, mean, I think that you, if you have a lot of freedom and you have money going into the industry, then even the worst movies that get made are still going to be better than a lot of things that get made elsewhere. Yeah, because you, because you can make anything, and so you have artistic license. Yeah, definitely. And if you have to make something under, like a very um, <clears throat> restricting bureaucracy, then part of your your movie, part of your story, is written by people who are not writers, who are not artists, and they're writing shit that they're not qualified to do. It's going to turn out bad. They're just writing shit. <laughs> they're just writing shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But it was just the most hilarious thing because he was so upset. He's like, how did we not think of this? <laughs> like, come on, it was in front of us. A panda doing Kung Fu, come on. <laughs> but seriously, Kung Fu Panda is a, great, is a great movie. I love it. It was never racist or reductionist or anything at all. Like, it was just people who really respected it and wanted to have a good time and be funny. <laughs> I'll have to take your word on that one. I don't watch animated movies anymore after a bad experience. Oh, which one? <laughs> there's so many to choose from <laughs> well I probably have told you about this before but I was going through a breakup mm -hmm. and it was like a prolonged protracted breakup over multiple days wait um, did you tell me this or did I personally witness this you did not witness this this okay. happened in a different state but I was basically stranded in this different state going mm. through this protracted breakup. Wait, can you give me the year so I know which breakup you're talking about? 2008. Oh, okay, that one. All right, go on. Yeah, so, so I'm basically stranded with this person for several days. And because we didn't know what else to do during like our ongoing breakup, we decided to go see a movie. And 
the idiotic movie that we chose was Wally. Which oh. On the, on the outside, like not a bad movie, right? Like, yeah. It's well done as a movie, but apparently the robot romance was too much for him, <laughs> and throughout Aww. the movie, he would just periodically start crying. Oh my god! Like over and over again, because of the robots loving each other. Oh. Yeah. So that was that for me. <laughs> Relationship-wise so. and animated movie-wise, it pretty much just killed it. <laughs> well, that sucks, because Wally was actually a very enjoyable film. Yeah, it was hard to enjoy, I have to say. <laughs> uh, oh, God, that sucks. I didn't realize the individual you are speaking of. He was uh, a crier. Oh, God, criers. Well, and also... I was, and this part we can cut out, but I was stranded there for four days. I made the mistake. If you're ever going to, this can be put in. <laughs> if you're ever going to break up with someone, do it on the last day of a five-day trip rather than the first day of a five-day trip when plane tickets out of that location are $1,000. Like okay. Next day plane tickets. But but you but you decided to. Mm. But you see, if you did it on the last day of a five day trip, okay, you know what? It's just really there's no good Don't situation. Don't go on that trip. <laughs> right. Don't go on the trip. <laughs> if you think it's gonna save your relationship, it's not. You're gonna have a protracted five day breakup. Don't go on the fucking trip. Just break up. Oh my god. Yeah. Oof. Thanks for listening to Philosophy in the Bedroom, and we apologize for cackling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, it goes again. (laughs) Oh, no. God damn it. All right. You've been listening to Balin's Hiccup on Philosophy in the Bedroom. (laughs) That was adorable. Check out our website at pitbpodcast.wordpress.com for more episodes and additional info.